Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Faith is simply believing the Word of God. It's believing it. And then, not just believing it, but acting on it. It's active faith. What if I don't feel like acting on it? What if I don't feel like believing it? What if what I see doesn't match what God's Word says? doesn't matter. And that's why I've added this part, which makes it much longer. It's believing the Word of God, the promises of God, acting on it, no matter how I feel or what I see, because God promises a good result. What does the phrase active faith mean, and how does it compare to the faith spoken of in the Bible? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that faith in Christ does not begin and end at the point you accept Him as your Savior. Many think of faith as simply believing in what Christ did and the actions which follow are just good deeds you happen to do to please Him. Scripture teaches on a faith which is active, always at work in your life. After you place your initial faith in Jesus, that faith should continue to propel you to serve Him on a daily basis. Can you say you are practicing active faith today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark as he continues with his message entitled, Get Real. One of the things that I think is very important, let me make some statements about myself and then translate them to you. I know without a doubt this morning that I'm saved and my sins are forgiven. I know I'm not perfect. I know I still sin, but when I ask for forgiveness, God gives it to me. I know that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I'm totally confident that I'm a real Christ follower. I'm not a perfect Christ follower. There are none. But I am a real Christ follower. Now, all those statements I've made, if you're a Christ follower and you're real, you should be able to make those statements. You see, John would write to the church, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Some of you were taught that you could never know. When you die, if you end up in hell, you know you weren't. If you end up in heaven, you know you would. That's the only time you know. That's wrong. That's 100% wrong. You see, when I go to bed tonight and lay down, put my head in the pillow, doesn't matter what happens during the night. Now, I'm not excited to die. Nobody looks forward to dying. But I'm not afraid of death, the end result of dying. You know why? Because I know exactly where I'm going. It's not because I'm a pastor, not because my dad was a pastor, not because my grandpa was a pastor. It's because I know Jesus Christ. 
See, I have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me give you a little clue. A huge percentage of so-called Christians in the United States are not real Christians. In fact, so much so that in Matthew 7, Jesus says on Judgment Day, he'll say to many, not a few, many, I never knew you. Well, they weren't real. So how do I know if I'm real? We're going to go through the scriptures. You have to judge yourself. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get real. To finally, when you leave this building and you leave the era, or when you turn off your computer from watching the internet, you can just go, I'm finally real. I've got faults, but I'm finally real. You know what the most miserable thing in the whole world is? Pretending you're something you're not. Because you're always afraid somebody is going to find out. The great thing is just to be who you are and be real. Not perfect. There's none of those. So we want to examine ourselves today. I want you to do it as well. In fact, Matthew 3 8 says this. Prove by the way you live that you have really turned from your sins and you've turned from God. So one of the key proofs that you're real, here's how you begin to examine, has your life changed? If it has, aha, something will come for your life. Keep your finger right where you're at and turn back to the book of John chapter 15. John chapter 15, just about three books back. If you're a real Christian, a real follower of Christ then your life has changed, and that's proven by something called spiritual fruit. Here's our second of five keys today. Write it down. Proof. A real Christ follower, CF, bears real fruit. You see, when I repented, repentance means change of heart, something began to change in me. And we discover what that's like in John 15, verse 1. Another practical application using the vine and the branches. Watch this. I am the true vine, Jesus speaking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it will be even more fruitful. Now, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. In your Bible, you may want to begin to circle this word because you're going to see it forever in these next two verses. The word is remain or abide. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I'll remain in you. Now, no branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, here we go again, remain in me. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man, here we go again, remains in me, and I in him, what will happen? He will do what? Bear, how much fruit? Much fruit. Oh, and by the way, apart from me, spiritually, you can do nothing. You see, when you trusted Christ to save you, the Holy Spirit came inside of you. And all of a sudden, you were united in this visual picture, this vine, grapevine. You became a branch in it. 
God plugged you in. And now you have a living, vibrant relationship. From that real relationship comes real fruit. Now you say, well, Pastor Mark, am I supposed to be like, be producing apricots or figs or peaches? No, 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 no. It's spiritual fruit. If I'm in the vine, then from that vibrant living relationship, something happens. Well, what is fruit? Here's the answer. You can write it down. Vera, you want to write it down as well. What is fruit? Here it is. Well, fruit is really just the, a person and everything they do. Their character, what they say, what they think. And it is shown in at least these five ways. Let me give them to you and explain them to you this morning. Number one, if you're a Christian, you'll produce fruit. First fruit, godly witness. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means if you're going to be a Christian, you care about lost people. Remember, we had our fish tanks here in Enviera, and we prayed for those people. You're going to witness people. You're going to share the gospel with people. You're the ones that need to do that. I'm the one that does that. Why do I do that? Because the heart of God is the same. The heart that lives in me is now God's heart. Lost people matter to Christ. When I became a Christian, Galatians 5 is filled with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness. Those characteristics, now careful, not perfectly, but they began to show in my life. I'm different than I was before. Number three, godly works. Do you know the scripture says this? If you give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus to somebody, you get a reward for it. Number four, godly giving. You see, one of the difficult things that happens in our lives is this. Watch this. When you get saved, the most difficult thing for you to give up is your wallet to God. Pastor Mark, are you going to talk about tithing again? Yeah. Because, see, it isn't mine, it's God's. So, godly giving. It shows. And last, godly praise. If I'm a Christian, good stuff should come from my mouth. In fact, it says the fruit of my lips. It's not talking about the kind of lipstick you have on that's fruity flavored. It's talking that what comes out. So when you guys in Enviera as well get there on time and you're able to praise, what happens? Godly praise comes out and the Lord loves it. See, that's proof that I'm attached to the vine. Good things are happening. It's evidence that when I repented, God changed my life. Now, why this word abide? Over and over again. Remain. What does that really mean to remain in Christ? Here's what it means. It means to continue, to follow, to stay close. In other words, if I decide to go off and do my own thing, and I don't remain in Christ, we already heard what he said. If you remain in you, in me, you'll produce lots of fruit. But apart from me, you can do Nothing. So I I won't have any godly fruit unless I remain in Christ. And it's just a matter of a vibrant relationship. Now, how do you produce fruit? Well, I remain. I abide. You and I don't produce it. We simply abide. Let me read you something. Abiding in Christ is not so much my responsibility as it is my response. To his ability. The branch does not bear fruit by str- 
struggling, but by simply abiding. Now, this doesn't mean that we are passive, but that our activity is simply based on the power that resides in me. Remember, John, out of your innermost beings will flow rivers of living water. I got to pump it up. No, you don't pump it up. It's a thing of the Spirit. Well, I've got to have love. It'll come as God develops love in us. See, it's very different. And if my relationship was, I had to produce this, what a miserable relationship. Now, back to Matthew 21. Vieira, back to Matthew 21. Look at verse 19. Last part of verse 19. Then Jesus said to it, to the tree, may you never bear fruit again. How many of you that don't have green thumb understand what's happening when it, it, it immediately withers? How, how many? How many have? It could be you, couldn't it? Right. And immediately the tree withered. Well, look at verse 20. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. You and I would probably wonder the same. I mean, can you imagine standing there and this thing is full of leaves the next minute? Gone. Finished. Dead. Right in front of you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, And it will be done. So see, this isn't the end of the lesson. This is just the beginning of the lesson. First, examine yourself to see if there's fruit. If there's fruit, another evidence that you're a Christ follower is you're going to have incredible faith. You see, fruit's necessary, but faith is necessary. Now, that's number three. Write it down. A real Christ follower has a real faith. It's not a false faith. It's not words with no belief. It's not saying something then doubting in our heart. It's real faith. See, Jesus exercised faith in the tree when he cursed the tree. He believed the tree would die. God honored that faith. The tree died. It was gone. It was like he, today we'd go, well, I could spray Roundup on it, and by tomorrow or the next day it'd be gone. No, instantly. It was supernatural. It's responding to faith. Now, here's a definition of faith, and I want you to write it down. It'll take you a moment in Vieira and home and whatever here, but just write it down, and then we're going to go through it. What is faith? Faith is simply believing the Word of God. It's believing it, and then not just believing it, but acting on it. It's active faith. What if I don't feel like acting on it? What if I don't feel like believing it? What if what I see doesn't match what God's word says? Doesn't matter. And that's why I've added this part, which makes it much longer. It's believing the word of God, the promises of God, acting on it, no matter how I feel or what I see, because God promises a good result. See, faith has to have an object. You have to base, I have to base my faith on something. Well, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Now, let me just say this. You don't, you don't want to base your faith on me. You don't want to base your faith on a church. Because I'm human, just like you. You want to base your faith 
on Jesus Christ and the Word of God. He never fails, ever. He cannot lie. So our faith has to be based in something. I remember when I was raised in, uh, I was raised in Detroit, and, uh, you know, when I was raised in Detroit, we had faith that General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler would always be the top three in the world. What do you think today? We could have never imagined that no longer are any one of those the top maker of cars in the world. Who today? Toyota. See, so you're going to base your faith on your IRA and the company you're working for? Careful. We've seen how many people. Company closes, your retirement's gone. So our faith has to be in God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, what is this deal with mountain-moving faith? The Jesus, he says, notice what he says up there. He said, you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. Well, if he doesn't lie, what does that mean? Is he like looking at this mountain over here going, just say, go, okay, let's, let's try it. Okay, one, two, three. Go the mountain. No, it was a common saying in those days. It wasn't about moving a mountain at all. What it simply meant is, if there's something hindering what God wants to do in your life or in the life of another person, it's like a mountain. You can say to that mountain, be removed, and as it's removed, great things for God will be done. Do you get it? If I couldn't get to you because of this little podium, and you were dying, and I needed to do CPR on you or whatever, and I couldn't get there, that removing this mountain so I could do a good thing for God is what he's talking about. He's not talking about a physical mountain. He's talking about that which is in front of us that keeps us from doing great things for God. Now, why is he saying that? Get this. He's talking to his 12 disciples, and he says, basically, if you have faith because you're a real follower, you're going to do great things for God. They don't even know what that means. But he's saying that to you today. If you're a real follower, you're going to have fruit, and you're going to, have faith, you're going to do great things for God. But why was he saying it to his disciples? Here's why. Back in the book of Genesis chapter 12, we have an interesting picture. God comes to Abraham, just picks him at random. Of course, he knew. And he says to Abraham, you're going to start a nation. It's going to be called the nation of Israel. There was no nation before that. And he says, I'm going to use the nation of Israel for a number of things. One, I'm going to give that nation my word, keep it, write it down. They did, Old Testament, wonderful. Then he says, from that nation is going to come, well, man's solution to man's greatest problem. It's Jesus Christ. He's going to come from the lineage of David, from the nation. But then he said, by the way, he said to Abraham, through you, all the world is going to be blessed. Through one man, his faith. And it says, Abraham believed God. He believed God enough to leave his place and go to the land that began, became the land of Israel. But what was one of the other keys for the nation of Israel? Watch me. Let's just say I'm Abraham, and you're all the people of the world at that time. You all have, and in Vieira as well, you have many gods that you worship. Sun, moon, stars, men, idols, pigs, animals, whatever. You worship them. Abraham worshiped what? The one true God, Yahweh. So the purpose of the nation of Israel was to go, was to go, and say to all of you, by their lifestyle and how God treated them, you can know the one true God. 
He's the creator of everything. In the beginning, God. And you can know him and be blessed by him. We're proof of that. Well, initially that was true. But what happened to the nation of Israel? That was to be light and salt and bring the world to trust this one true God. What happened to the nation of Israel? Instead of worshiping the one true God, what did they begin to do? Many gods. Worship false gods. Worship all kinds of false things. They became as bad as the pagans. And now in Jesus' time, you went to Jerusalem, Jesus says, it's dead. It looks like religion, tastes like religion. It is religion. It's dead religion. There's no power. There's no life. They think they know me. They don't even have a relationship with me. I don't even know the Jewish people. So he says to the disciples, the nation of Israel, and by the way, you 12, you're part of it, by and large, it's failed. So guess what I'm doing? Watch this. This is the nation of Israel. Jesus says, in a few days after I go to the cross, about 40 days afterward, the nation of Israel is going to be put aside. They can't be a witness anymore. Well, who's going to witness then? Who's going to be light and salt? These 12. The church. You and I. And so he says to these 12, in a few days, you're going to need mountain-moving faith Because there's going to be lots of obstacles to presenting Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't believe, let alone in God, but in his son. But if you have faith, that mountain can be moved, listen, and you will do great things for God. Now you say, is that going to happen? Did it happen? Watch what happens. Take your finger and move right over to Acts chapter 3 quickly. We're going to go there very quickly. Acts chapter 3. Since Israel failed, they were fruitless, false advertising. God says to his disciples, you're going to be. You're going to be my witness. You can reach the nations of the world. You can be fruitful. Well, you know what happens. Acts chapter 3, I'm going to go through it very quickly. Peter and John go up to the temple. There's a crippled man there that's been crippled forever. He asks for some money. Peter in verse uh, 6 says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have... I give you in the name of, not Peter, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the hand, verse 7, he helped him up, and what's the next word? Instantly. Hello? Jesus said to the tree, be dead. And what happened? Instantly, it was dead. Peter says to the man, be healed. And what? Instantly, he was healed. And he goes through and he begins walking and jumping and praising God. All the people see this. They go, what's happening? They begin to rush and they get around Peter. And they go to Pete, what? what's the deal with this? And look what Peter does in verse 12. He's pretty shy. Watch this. Peter says to all these Jewish people, he says to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Godly witness, character, praise, and giving are all examples of spiritual fruit. And a real faith in God produces this fruit. Today, Pastor Mark taught us a couple characteristics of a real Christ follower. A real Christ follower bears real fruit and has real faith. Real faith requires much discipline. You have faith enough to act on the Word of God, not because of how you feel, but because He promises a good result. Maybe you're listening right now, and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. How much does your prayer life exhibit a great deal of faith? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that real Christ followers pray real prayers based on God's will. It can be easy to pray for something we want, but have little expectation of anything happening. Likewise, we can also pray for something, totally be oblivious to whether it lines up with the truths of Scripture. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.